You're listening to the 1% Factor Podcast with Coach Shakina, where I talk about how small changes and insights can have the greatest impact over time. Whether it's in life or business, you'll learn principles and strategies that when implemented will help you grow your business and design a lifestyle that's in alignment with who you are and fuels your purpose, passion, and vision. Hey, hey, Shakina Johnson here with JSR Vision, and welcome back to another episode. So I'm back with a special guest. I'm here today with Brandon Eastman of Be Better Industries. So I'm totally stoked about this one. So we got a lot of content to cover. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to introduce him. I want him to introduce himself because he's got a lovely background that we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Brian, and how are you today? Shakina, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> And uh, just to give you a brief introduction of me for your audience, I grew up in the sales world. So since the age of 18, I've been in sales. I've been in the uh, wireless industry, actually selling cell phones for a long time. And I did very well in sales, and that led me to sales leadership, and it eventually led me to starting my own business where I help to train salespeople. I help consult with sales companies to improve sales, and I help to create training programs for companies. And it's been a long journey. And I'm excited to talk with you about that journey and where it's at now. Okay, cool. So, um, so thank you for sharing that. So you have a lot of um, a lot of uh, experience in sales, working with sales teams, groups, and individuals, correct? Yes. Yep. So I've worked just to give you some more background. I worked on a sales team from the age of 18 to 21, and I did very well for myself, but I felt very unfulfilled with what I was doing. I felt like I was earning a lot of money, more money than I've ever made in my life. You know, I went from making $10 an hour actually working at Walmart when I was 18 years old. And believe it or not, I actually liked working there. Good people, great managers. And I went from working at Walmart making $10 an hour to almost earning six figures at the age of 18 and 19. And I didn't know what to do with the money, right? So I was doing very well. I didn't know why I was so good at sales. Right now, obviously, training salespeople, I understand what made me great. And I believe that some people are natural salespeople. And I believe that the rest of people can become an amazing salesperson. And as you know, as an entrepreneur, we are naturally salespeople, right? I think everyone's a salesperson. And I did very well. And I had no idea what the heck I wanted to do with my life, right? I was like, do I want to move up in the leadership? Do I want to continue doing this? I was doing very well financially in sales, but I was very unhappy. I was very unfulfilled. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I was earning a lot of money, but I was spending a lot of money on stuff that I didn't need, right? I was buying guitars. I was buying overpriced cars that I didn't need to drive just to impress people that I didn't really even care about. But at the time I did, I wanted to be seen as something that I wasn't. And that lack of vision, that lack of clarity, it really led me down a dark path. And that dark path was the point where I didn't even want to leave my apartment because I didn't want people to see who I'd become. I didn't know how to interact with people anymore. I was unsure of what I even wanted to do with my life. And this was before I moved into leadership. It's before I started my business. And there was a lot of catalysts that helped me to change that entire situation. And I'm sure we'll get to in this interview too. Well, let's see. I, I, I can definitely resonate with that because you said a lot of things that I think people will understand, right? And that, And part of it is you're working this job, you're feeling unfulfilled, you're not really sure what's going on, um, but you're gaining weight, you're not coming out of the house, you're not doing the things that you want to do, right? And that's a form of depression. 
right? But we don't really see those symptoms until later or until somebody points it out or there's a life-changing event or something that happens that kind of catapults us into some other place. Um, but I, I like the I, I like the fact that you were able to, well, how did you identify that you were having these issues? Let's start there. So I identified it, number one, there was two two big catalysts for me. The first thing was I got a bill in the mail for my credit card. And this was one credit card. I was like over 20000 in debt, which was a lot for me back then. And my credit card bill alone was for over $10,000. And I didn't check the mail that day. My now wife, but she was my fiance at the time, she checked the mail. And she opened the envelope. She literally takes it out. And she's like, hmm, what's this? And she looks at it, right? And she's, I'm sure, blown away. I wasn't there physically with her when she opened the mail. But I got home later that day. And she looked at me and she says, Brandon, just curious, how much money do you have on your on your credit card right now? And honestly, Shakina, I had no idea. I was like, mm, probably like four, four thousand, five thousand. But don't worry, I'm going to pay it off. Everything's going to be OK. And she's like, no, she says it's over ten thousand dollars that you have on this one card. And she's like, well, how many credit cards do you have? And I was like, well, as many as they would let me have. I didn't say that, but I was like, well, <laughs> I've, I've got three that are like and I came out and told her I was like three. And I think the other ones are pretty maxed out, too. And just the look on her face when I said that, the look of her being unsure of me, unsure of what I'm able to do financially for us and our family, that uncertainty, I think that was one of the major turning points for me. When I saw her face, when I saw her disappointment, that's really the key word was disappointment. That's what made me realize I got to change something, which led me to my second catalyst. I went to my manager at the time and I said, Keith, which is what his name is, I'm looking to move up into leadership. And he looked at me and he's like, there's no way you're going to move into leadership. He's like, you're overweight. The team doesn't respect you. And by the way, like I was heavily overweight. It's just, and, and he's a fitness buff. Like he's like a power lifter. So physicality and the way that you look, the way that you feel is huge in his book to being an effective leader, which I believe is huge as an entrepreneur as well. And he's like, if you want to be a leader, number one, you've got to earn the team's respect. And number two, you've got to take care of yourself before you can help and take care of other people. And that was a huge lesson for me. So I said to him, well, what do I need to do? And he handed me a book that I'm sure you've heard of or probably even read by Rhonda Byrne called The Secret. And for those who haven't read this book or listened to the audiobook or even watched the documentary now, The Secret talks about the law of attraction. And it says pretty much your thoughts become things. What you put out there into the universe, the vibe that you are omitting or emitting is the vibe that other people and other situations and circumstances give back to you. And reading this book, I, I read it because I, I knew I had to do something, right? And I was like, if I want to move into leadership, I have to show him that he can trust me, that I'm true to my word. If I have to fix my finances, I got to figure something out. So I read the book and it was really cheesy stuff. It was like, if you want to make more money, you need to imagine checks coming to you in the mailbox. And I'm like, what is this stuff? Like, how does that work? How can you think about something and then create it in your life? But like I said, I had to do something different than I wasn't already doing. So I started following the principles. And the first thing that I really started to practice, and I think this is huge for anyone listening, is I began to become conscious of my thoughts on a day-to-day -day basis because I wasn't conscious at all. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I wasn't being conscious of the gossip that I'd be talking to other people about. I didn't really know how to talk to other people. Me talking to other people was me talking about other people. 
because I didn't know what they wanted to talk about. So that obviously caused me not to have many friends in my life at that point. But once I became conscious of what I was thinking and I actually started to slow down and think about the words that I wanted to say before I said them, within six months, my entire life changed. Everything changed for me within six months after that. Out of everything you said, what stuck out to me the most there was being conscious of your thoughts, right? A lot of the times we have these programming ideas, ideologies, and conversations that have been, you know, sent to us or given to us from previous family, uh, generations, and whatnot. And we don't even know that we're even thinking these things, right? We don't know how we feel about sales. Like sales, sales is always a big conversation. Um, the way that we feel about salespeople or sales conversations, and we think they're gross. We think that, you know, thank you. Um, or the, the slick car salesman with the hair back and like we have all these bad connotations about what salespeople really are. Not really understanding that you can't have a business without sales, but everybody's a salesperson in their own natural way, like you like you said. But yeah. you know, taking charge or having an understanding of the conversation that you are having with yourself, right? Versus, you know, what you're talking to other people about. Um, like you said, you didn't really really have friends because you're talking about people not knowing what to talk to with you know with them what type yeah. of conversation you strike up um and just starting with you right starting with yourself and you that second catalyst where he told you that you're never going to be in leadership man you had to take control of of your of your your health um and the people don't respect you and you had to start with you first it always starts with you but um i i like I like how there's so many similarities. A lot of people start somewhere, and a lot of them are really common among among people, but we don't really realize we're in it until later. But mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so we have these two catalysts, and that has propelled you into forward movement, right? Um, eventually lost the weight, obviously. I can see you now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've done an amazing job with your business journey so far. How did you, you said it took six months to change your thoughts, to kind of start seeing results. But yeah. during those six months, how hard was it? Like, were you at some point thinking, I can't do this. What What the hell am I doing? I don't even see any results. Are you? Did you ever have one of those moments? It was very difficult, very difficult. And it was very hard at that time, but it was also very fulfilling when I actually started to see results. And uh, let me tell you, the hardest part wasn't actually me doing it myself. The hardest part was the response that I got from other people around me who knew who I was before I started to make these positive changes. I would go back to the store because it was retail sales. And I worked with a team of about 16 people. Now it's a lot more. And these individuals were like, what are you doing? Like when I was saying certain things, they were like, oh, what are you all positive, optimistic, Pollyanna? And I'm like, what's what's going on? They called me, believe it or not, they called me fake. They were like, this can't be you. And at the time, I mean, if I think about it from their perspective, this guy who used to gossip, this guy who used to be negative all the time, who was now making a conscious effort to monitor his thoughts, I probably would have thought the same thing. Like, hey, it's cool that he's doing that, but I know that can't be real. I know that can't be him. And the reality was I had to have a conversation with each of those people. And this is what I'd recommend to anyone listening. If you're making big changes in your life and you're around the same type of people that you've been around before you started making those changes, let other people know what you're looking to do. Let other people know, 
how they can support you in this change for the end result of you being a better human being to be around them. Obviously, it's going to be better for them if you improve yourself. The hardest part was really winning, winning over the people on my team. And in order to do that, I had to ask them exactly what is it that I can do to best support them? And it's the same way with our audiences now, right? We want to know how we can best support them. And this was really the spark of me becoming an entrepreneur. And I didn't just start as an entrepreneur, just like I think a lot of people listening started as somebody who was an entrepreneur inside of a company, inside of a a certain structure that was already existing, which we call intrapreneurs. And this was really when I started to get a good idea of what I wanted to do in the company. So in those six months, I finally created a goal for myself. And this is the first time I actually created goals for my life. I was listening to an audiobook by Jim Rohn, and I was watching a YouTube video. I wasn't listening to an audio. It was, it was audio as I was driving. I was listening to him. And this was like the beginning of personal development for me. The book was the first part. Jim Rohn was the second mentor slash teacher that I had. And he pretty much talked about the importance of goal setting and the importance of knowing what you want. And it sounds so obvious to tell somebody, well, you got to know what you want. You got to have goals. And a lot of people say it, but if you look at those people and you ask them, well, what is it that you really want? They look at you and they get that glazed look on their eyes, right? And they have no idea. And Jim Rohn said this and I thought, well, intellectually, I understand that I should know what I want, but I've never actually taken the time to write it down and to make it real. And that's exactly what I did. I wrote down exactly what I wanted to do in the company professionally. I wrote down exactly what I wanted my body to look like, exactly how I wanted to feel. I wrote down exactly how I wanted my life to look in the next 10 years. And it's been about seven years now. And I've been able to accomplish a lot of those things that I wrote down originally, a lot of them actually. And after I created goals, Shakina, and I started to have those conversations with the people around me of how I could best serve them, I just saw incredible momentum build, incredible momentum. I finally became a leader in the company. And I started to train new salespeople. And I finally found the thing that I was really good at, the thing that I really enjoyed doing. And this is part of my definition of what success even is, which I know we're going to get to in a bit. But I started to deliver live trainings to people. And I started to prepare presentations and give sales trainings. But the thing about my sales trainings is a lot of it is sales principles and like first impressions and how to build rapport and all that stuff. But a lot of it is really understanding yourself and understanding you. And I think as a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever you do, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to have a lock on yourself before you can even give and serve other people. And that was really what helped me understand this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I can go deeper into that, but I'm sure you have some you know, insights or thoughts about what I've just said in the last couple minutes here. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. It all starts with you, right? It sounds cheesy as hell. But I promise you it works, right? It is, and it's funny because I'm I'm reading a book by uh, John Maxwell about growth. And, you know, right now I'm at the, the law of intentionality states that growth doesn't just happen. And at this point, you've taken charge of, excuse me, of what you want to do. You've set goals for yourself. You've actually written them down. And you started attacking them one by one, or however many times, however many things you've been after. But you started seeing results at some point and being intentional is people don't have a plan. They don't have an idea. Yeah. They listen to what people you know, tell them to do. Um, you should do X, Y, Z in order to grow. You should do, um, go to this, take this class or this course because 
this is what you're supposed to do, right? But they don't really think about the things that they actually want. Like you said, they have this last over look, right? They don't know. They have absolutely no idea. And then they they complain about supplies, right? Yeah. And it's like, but you have to, you, you can't just complain about everything. You have to actually have a sit-down moment with yourself, figure out what you want, and make a plan for it. And it's, it's very simple, but nobody really does that. Um, another thing that you said, though, about just understanding yourself first um, before anything else. And with the sales, with anything, and I just don't think people do that. I, I really don't. We're not taught to do that. We're you not. know, school didn't teach us. A lot of our parents, it's they want the best for us, most of our parents, but they don't know about that themselves. So how can they teach us something that they don't know? Oh, yeah. The other thing that I was uh, thinking about, having when you're in the midst of change and you you create this environment where it's kind of like a negative effect where people aren't really expecting you to change or not acknowledging your growth and your change, um, having conversations with them that, hey, this is what I'm doing, I think is brilliant. Because, you know, some people just... Um, they start changing, they start operating in the, in the shadows or in the background, just expecting to do this all by themselves without any support by family and friends. But actually having, and it makes it difficult when you're trying to change and you're still stuck in the same environment, right? You're still in the same place, dealing with the same type of people, same type of personalities, and without being able to have that conversation with them or letting them know, um, you're, you're saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. You either support me or let it go. And that gives them an opportunity or an option to, you know, do whatever they want to do, but it puts the ball back in your court to let them know, hey, I'm taking charge of my life. Like, listen, you need to rock with me or you can you can go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And I think people need to do that more. Yeah. Um there's so many people should be admired for trying to change themselves for better instead of being judged for what they used to be. And it's really hard in our society because People don't like change. <laughs> people don't really accept change, right? When uh, criminals, right? People who come out of the, the justice system, right? they are trying to look for jobs or whatnot. But the whole point of the whole correction system is to correct behaviors or do whatever. But if they're not given the opportunity to change um, or put back into a, a society or culture where they're not accepting of what the punish, what you know, whatever punishment they were given. It goes back to the same thing, right? They're not, they're not being helped. There's no yeah. resources for them because they're being judged by something they used to do versus what they're trying to do now. And I think it's the same concept. But okay, so let's back up. Well, move forward for a little bit. So you've you've gone through this journey of transformation, right? You've had your ups and downs. You found you you had two catalysts that propelled you forward. You started making these changes and now you have a better understanding of yourself. Yeah. You have a better uh, knowledge of what you want to do. And somehow it transitioned. It kind of just transitioned to helping other people doing what you love most. Right. And I understand from like your business, you're, you also talk about purpose. Right. Mm. You also, you have, um, I believe you have a book on purpose, right? It's a playbook. Yes. Playbook. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about the playbook. It's called the Purpose Playbook, and it really goes deep into what your purpose is and how you can live your purpose no matter what it is you're doing, whether you're in a company, organization, or whether you're operating your own business. 
Because a lot of people think that in order to really live the life of their dreams, they have to be on their own doing their own thing to have freedom and to find happiness. But you can find happiness with whatever it is you're doing right now. And it comes down to a few different elements. And a couple of those elements, just to kind of touch back to what we mentioned before, when I gave that presentation in front of a group of people and I talked about goal setting and I talked about time management and how they can make more money as salespeople and all these things, the whole room was listening to me, right? And I never gave a presentation or training before, but I thought to myself, even in the middle of the presentation, wow, I'm better at this than I thought I ever would have been. Like people were actually listening. A few people were taking notes. I didn't even tell them to take notes. And after they left, a few people came up to me after the training was over and they said, Brandon, that was really good. Like, you're really good at this training thing. Like, I had a whole flip chart set up and everything. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm actually getting compliments about this. People are telling me I'm great. And I thought to myself, well, maybe this is something that I'm meant to do. Maybe this natural talent of mine is meant to be taken to the next level. And that's really one of the first key elements when it comes to understanding your purpose. What are you naturally good at? And a lot of people might say, well, I don't really know what I'm naturally good at. Well, ask yourself this. First of all, I didn't know what I was good at until other people told me. Because it's like you mentioned, we don't generally look inside too often and ask ourselves, what are our natural talents? We don't really ask ourselves that. So ask yourself right now, what do my friends tell me I'm great at? What kinds of compliments do I receive from other people or even other strangers? Because when people tell you you're good at something, you're probably good at that, right? That's probably either a skill that you've worked on over time, or it's something that you were born with, something that you've always been talented or gifted, or something you've always just had a knack for. And for me, that was presentations. And when it comes to your purpose, that's one piece, right? Because you might be really good at something, but it might not be able to help other people, and it might not be able to earn you income so you can continue doing that. The second piece is, what are you skilled at? What have you learned? to be good at. And my purpose playbook brings you through an exercise that helps you really determine what are your natural abilities? What have you learned to be good at? So this could be something you went to school for, something that you've honed over time. For me, I think it was talking, honestly, and I think it was keeping people's attention because when you're in sales, a lot of it's asking questions and getting information, but the other part of it is keeping someone's attention while you're giving them the proposal of what you can do to solve their problem. So I've always been good at keeping people's attention. I'll do it through my tone. I'll do it through my words, my body language, all those things. But then the third piece of purpose is your passion. And this is a big one. And this is what led me from working with this company for over eight, nine years to finally going on my own and helping people from different companies and helping other salespeople, entrepreneurs, business owners. Because passion is the change that you want to see in the world. Passion is the difference that you personally want to make. And I think we all have something that we feel really strongly about, right? For me, it's what we talked about earlier. It's the education system. It's the fact that we have amazing teachers, we have amazing educators, but we have a curriculum that wasn't designed for the 21st century. You know, we learned things that we're never going to use again. And some of those things are good because it causes us to think in different ways. It teaches us teamwork, but we're not taught how to earn money. We're not taught how to save money. We're not taught how to file taxes. We're not taught simple things like, well, it's not really simple, emotional intelligence. We're not taught how to manage our emotions. I've never, I don't remember a classroom day where we learned how to set goals. 
I don't remember learning about the importance. I don't remember about how you start an LLC or how you start a business. I don't remember those days because we weren't taught those things. So my passion is helping people obtain the skills they need that they might not have been taught through the education system. Because when I look at myself five, six, seven years ago, the number one thing I needed were those simple life skills that were never taught to me. Your your definition of passion is interesting. I haven't heard it in that particular way. I've heard it, you know, your passion is what your passion is about, right? What what do you want to do or enjoy doing comes from a, a personal perspective as opposed to you know, an external one. And so that's a very interesting definition of passion that you have here. And like I said, I've never heard it in that particular way. And you said, why, why, do you, why have you defined it that way? Let's start there. I've defined it that way because sometimes you can be passionate about something that you're not too great at, right? Like, let's say we we all have – have you ever watched American Idol or heard yes. of American Idol? Okay. Yeah. So American Idol, just this game show where people go on, they sing, right? And they, they get voted on based on their skills and their performance. And the best part of American Idol for me was watching the auditions because the auditions are fun because you get to see some really, like, hidden gems out there, people who are just incredible – but the auditions were really cool because you get to see people who are just more funny than they are great at singing. And you can be passionate about singing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an amazing singer. And if all you focus on is what you're passionate about, such as, well, I, I feel that I'm passionate about singing. I really enjoy it. I really love singing. That's not really going to help a ton of people. And it's definitely not going to earn you income for the long run. So you can reach more people if you just focus on singing. So when it comes to purpose, the reason why we define passion in that way is because once you take your natural gifts, once you take what you're skilled at, what you're good at, and you combine it with your passion, something that you want to see change in the world, that's when you can really create massive change and impact in the world. Whether it's in your neighborhood, your neighbors, your community, or whether you want to reach the world and do something on a global level. There's so many different ways that you can live and practice your purpose. But there is one element that we haven't talked about yet. Which is what? Your story. Your oh, yes. story of what brought you to where you are now. And this is the thing about purpose. And this is the final element, but the most important one. Because your natural skill might be the same as mine. Your, your skill that you've gotten great at might be the same as mine. Your passion might even be similar. You want to see change in the education system. That could be the same. But one thing that will never be the same and what you talk about all the time on your show is what is the story of where you were and where you are now? What were the hardships that you went through in your life that have groomed you up until this point? What are the hardships that caused you to really learn life's lessons as you went through them because it's really in our hardships and in our experiences and even through our own traumas to an extent that we're able to give back and really help others. And your origin story is the one thing out of all four of those elements that truly differentiate who you are versus other people. And that, again, that's part of the reason why I did this show, because we always hear about the successes in life, but never the struggles or the or the obstacles people had to overcome to get to where they, they are. And the story is so important, even from a marketing perspective, even from a business perspective, your story is what captivates, captures your audience, attracts people to you. Um, it tells, 
like all those scars, right, that you get or see, they tell a story, each and every single one. And I think it's important to share because entrepreneurs are looking for success immediately, you know, based off of what they see on social media, based on, you know, the, the YouTube videos that they watch. And it's just not fair and it's not right. And I, I, I wanted to share those stories. And, you know, thank you for sharing your journey because I resonate with you in a lot of ways about, you know, not recognizing where I was and not understanding you know, where I wanted to go, didn't have a goal set, you know, but once I figured that all out, I mean, I had my ups and downs still mm-hmm. along the way, like the emotional, you know, things that I went up, you know, into like the roller coaster effect of being a business owner in and of itself. But, you know, we learn, we learn, we grow, we move on, right? And I, I love everything about what you've shared today. So I just want to say thank you for that. So is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience about what we've talked about today? Because this has been amazing. What I would like to share with them and something that I feel can help them the most, especially after hearing that whole purpose formula and what goes into it, is decide what you're great at, decide what you're really skilled at, and decide what you really want to do and how you can use that in order to serve other people. When I discovered that I really liked presenting and giving trainings, I listened to these people like Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, and I was saying to myself, they talk about their story. They share their hardships. Those hardships help them to get to where they are. And now by them sharing their story, they're helping millions and millions and millions of people around the world every single day. And I thought to myself, if they are willing to share their story, then I'll be willing to share mine. So that's exactly what I did. I went and shared my story. And while my story isn't nearly as traumatic as some other people's, some people were able to say, hey, I really relate with Brandon's story. I was in the same place that he was. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was overweight. But he went from being that to now sharing his story and training people on a much larger scale. It went from training 16 people to rooms of 100 to rooms of 500 and then even more now virtually, which is a beautiful thing about the world. We've discovered virtual. We can reach people everywhere. We can take our phone. We can record a video, share our story. And you know what? We might even only reach one person who really needed to hear it. And by you sharing that, you've helped another person improve their life. And that's going to do a few things for you. That's going to activate that whole law of attraction thing that we talked about earlier. By you helping and giving to others, it's going to come back to you in waves. And really, the number one way, Shakina, that I found happiness with what I do is by sharing my story and sharing my skills and natural abilities to help other people. And yes, it brings money along with it too. But the best feeling ever is taking what I'm great at, using it to help other people, and getting paid for it too. And every single person listening can do the same exact thing. Definitely agree. And I, I also want to note that for shared experiences, right, it doesn't have to be traumatic what you went through. Like it doesn't need to be something crazy like a rape story, for example, or uh, a, a very large death story. But it it's traumatic in enough for you to know that this is important, right? There's different factors in people's lives that makes them change, right? It doesn't have to be cataclysmic. <laughs> it doesn't have to be apocalyptic. It just has to be something different, right? And something, I, I can't say as simple, but something as um, relatable as, you know, you know, I, I don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. A common thought, right? I don't feel fulfilled. This is not what I want to do. I'm overweight. I'm, you know, I'm affecting the people in my life. I, I'm not where I want to be physically, mentally, you know, spiritually, perhaps. Yeah. It just, I'm not where I want to be. 
so many people can relate to that. It doesn't need to be anything outrageous, but relatable, right? So um, definitely agree to that. And I, I just, that's awesome, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> Thank awesome. You. Thank you for sharing, you know, the blueprint and your book. So um, final question, how do you define success? I define success, and this changed from what it used to be. Now the way I define success is, like I said before, taking what you have inside of you and giving that to other people. Because once you start taking what you're great at, once you take your story and truly use it to make a difference and to give and to contribute, it's going to bring back waves and waves of those good feelings and that feeling of success back to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So tell people where they can find you and you can find me in two different places the first place you can find me is on my youtube channel where i'm most active and you can just go on youtube you can type in brandon eastman and i'll pop up right there in front of you the second place you can find me if you want to download the purpose playbook or my other book be extraordinary your guide to self-mastery is bebetterindustries.com go there and you can find all my resources there that you can check out and take a look at Thank you, Brandon, for being with us today. And thank you to the audience who's been listening. Brandon has dropped a ton of diamonds today, so I hope you are listening well. Until next time, we'll see you around. And that wraps up another episode of the 1% Factor Podcast. If you'd like to experience more of this and want to learn how to build a calm, intentional, and impactful business outside of the hustle culture society we live in, go to thefocusceo.co forward slash 1%.